And welcome once again to the Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number to get hold of Savan anytime. It is easy. You probably memorized it, 416-216-5910. You can go to insuranceinjurylaw.com and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's do this. We always start with the week that was, my friend. How was always, it? Always, always. And, right. and as usual, it's been very, very busy, John. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because people get injured uh, quite frequently everywhere. We read about that in the papers. We hear about it in the news. So let me tell you about a few uh, uh, people that called me this week. Okay. Uh, and one involves uh, someone in cottage country. This is, uh, this is a call that came in from a listener uh, who was told by his brother uh, to, to give us a call. Uh, he had rented... A cottage back in July uh, of this year. Mm-hmm. Everything was great uh, until he used the stairs that lead up to the patio. Unfortunately, those were not maintained properly. They were not built properly. Uh, he didn't know that, obviously. So as he's uh, walking up, uh, the, uh, the wood step uh, that was almost at the top collapsed and he fell down. And now, luckily, he only broke his ankle, but it was still a severe uh, break. Uh, he had to go to the hospital. He went through surgery. I think there were two fractures uh, oh to, to one of the main bones there. And he called me because he wanted to know if he could get his money back for the week's rent. That's why he was calling me. Probably do a little he, better than that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> this is this is not a claim that's worth a thousand bucks, which is what he paid for that week. This is this is a claim that's worth a lot more, uh, primarily because this gentleman has a physically demanding job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but I'll tell you this: uh, this is this is. Uh, something that I see quite often, which is that uh, people rent out properties and they don't understand that they have to have uh, proper insurance. So when you have a house, I have a house, you have a car, I have a car, we have insurance for mm-hmm. those uh, items. Uh, and when we let people use them, for example, if I have a cottage and I rent it out, I have to make sure that my insurance company is aware of that. Well, in this case, uh, luckily, we made contact with the, uh, uh, with, with the gentleman that owns that cottage, uh, and we found out that he has proper insurance. Oh, okay. So what's going to happen here is that we're going to file a claim for this gentleman's injuries, ankle injuries, uh, and his insurance company is going to be responding and I can guarantee you here that they're going to end up paying and, and potentially pay big because the injury is fairly significant. This gentleman is in, in, is, is in his 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this could be affecting him for the rest of his life, especially since he's got a physically demanding job. Would, he, would his insurance company come back to him and say, you know, we've, we've had to pay for this guy. We've covered him. But now... You know, why didn't you maintain your stairs, basically? That's is what an they can excellent say. question. Uh, I can guarantee you, they're going to ask him that, but mm-hmm. I can guarantee you what's going to happen is that they're going to raise his premiums. Right. Uh, so that, that's how he's going to get... Uh, um, dinged. Sure we say dinged, exactly, yeah. 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 But, but, you know, the important thing for people to understand is that when you're renting a property, uh, you want to make sure that the property is obviously safe. You want to inspect it if possible. Uh, if you're renting it on Kajiji, you may want to... Uh, ask for some uh, um, contact information of prior renters. And, and it, when you get to the property, you want to make sure that just generally it looks like it's in a... A, um, a good state, uh, right? A, a good state, yeah. exactly, that it's safe. Especially yeah. if you have kids there, your yep. wife is there, and you have friends coming over. So a renter needs to be insured. The rentee should, should know that it's insured to Absolutely. cover their own, right? That's another okay. thing, exactly, yeah. yes. When you are renting a property like a cottage, uh, make sure that there is, in fact, insurance. It's no right. different than when you go to a hotel. They're always insured, gotcha. uh, and which is why they usually maintain their properties because they don't want to get dinged. They don't want to have a claim against them for injuries. They don't want their insurance rates to go up. 416-216-5910. What else happened this week? This lady called me again uh, this uh, week, earlier this week, because she was injured in a car accident that happened on the DVP when she was coming downtown. Okay. And, And how did this happen? Because there was an individual uh, who was on the HOV lane. Of course, he saw the cops 
and he zigzagged back and into her lane really quickly, and he sideswiped her. Now the problem is that it was Idiot. such it, yeah, and it, it was such a a strong sideswipe that she was actually pushed into the car on her right. The domino so she was smushed. Boom, boom. exactly. So you know she she suffered multiple contusions, a broken ribs, had severe whiplash, and was taken to hospital. Uh, and she wanted to know what can she do about all this. And I said, well, first of all, uh, obviously. No, the police was there. She was taken to to hospital. Uh, I told her, we have to contact your insurance company if you haven't already, uh, which she did. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be entitled to certain benefits from your own insurance company. Right off the you're top. You're going right? to be off the top. Yeah, and because she has a broken rib, she's outside of that minor injury guideline. Remember we talked about that? The MIG, yeah. The MIG, yes. So when you're in a car accident, your insurance company who owes you uh, benefits, who has to pay for certain treatments uh, that, that you will have to undergo... If you didn't break anything, if, if, if you know you have whiplash, uh, soft tissue injuries, right, as we right. call them, subject to exceptions that exist, you're entitled up to $3,500 uh, for treatments, for rehab. She's way out of that. She's though. out of that. She's outside the MIG, which means she's entitled to $50,000 worth of treatments. It doesn't mean, John, that she's going to get all of them. But she's, she has she's that there. Enti- she has that there. Now, in addition to that, she has difficulty working, clearly, mm-hmm. because of yep. these injuries, at least for the foreseeable future. Well, she's going to be entitled to income replacement benefits. Is that her or the Schmaku hit her. Uh, she's going to be entitled to that. Uh-huh. But to the extent that there is shortfall and, and potential uh, um, uh, problems in the future for her working right. and income losses into the future, she's going to have a claim against the driver who had zigzagged into her lane. So his insurance company is going to be involved here too. Not yeah, a difficult it, claim, but very technical. We but have his, to make his sure insurance that we right. company should be the one that's going to be paying the bulk of this. I mean, it's his fault, right? It, it, yes, it's completely his fault. Absolutely. And in fact, both insurance companies should be uh, involved from the outset. And mm-hmm. th- by the way, this is something that I see quite often with people who come to me uh, who've been represented by paralegals or other yeah. lawyers where they wait, they wait, 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 you know, a year, a year and a half when the injuries are clearly severe before involving the insurance company of right. the at-fault driver. Silly. There's, it's silly. Yeah. There's no reason to wait that long when you have injuries that severe. Take a quick break. Get to some emails. You want to drop us one, we can read on the air. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, 416-216-5910. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show right ahead on Talk Radio AM 640. And back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show here, Talk Radio, AM 640, 416-216-5910. That will get you a hold of Savannah right away and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Let's talk about the injury calculator. I love this. Give me some deets. This is great. So we introduced this a few months back. Uh, this is uh, the free uh, calculator online um, that people can go and, and use in the event that they've been injured uh, through no fault of their own, clearly. So if you're in a car accident, somebody else is at fault, or if you tripped and fell on a sidewalk because of an uneven ledge, anything that happened that you know caused you injury, you can go to this online tool, injurycalculator.ca, input a few pieces of information, uh, select the injury, the primary injury, what happened, uh, without giving your name or anything. And what's going to happen is you're going to get from the calculator an estimation, a range of the potential dollar figure, the dollar amount that equates to your injuries, pain, and suffering. Uh, And how do we come to these amounts? And we're going to run through an example shortly. How do we come to these amounts? I had my team literally scour the legal databases across Canada, across the country, for similar cases of people with similar injuries, ages, etc., and, and we compiled this database, and through an algorithm, uh, we were able to create this uh, calculator awesome. that tells you, here's what you could expect. And it's based on other cases. Right. cases so it's that, real. It's real. Yeah, this no. is what judges have said you know, for the last 100 years, potentially, here in Canada, across the country, with the exception of Quebec, that has other laws. 
so if you want to run through, uh, through an example, so for example, that, uh, that ankle fracture as an example. So From the cottage, yep. Yeah, so you go to injurycalculator.ca, uh, you put in the accident date, like I said, it's anonymous. Accident location, so let's say Toronto. Yep. How old are you? 43. What was the cause of your injury? A fall. Who was, the, uh, who was at fault for the accident? Someone else. Uh, did the injury affect your income? Yes. Oh, yeah. You click on continue. Then it asks you for the category that best describes your main injury. Okay. Uh, well, here we're dealing uh, with the main injury being to the leg. Yes. We're clicking on that. And then it asks, well, what's, uh, what part of your leg? And we're going to click on ankle. Okay, subcategory. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then it <clears> asks, and what happened to your ankle? Uh, did you sprain or strain it? Busted. Did you tear a ligament or did you fracture it? Fracture. So this is a fracture. So we click on that. And then it gives you a, a quick notice that we have to have. And then it says, according to our surveyor of Canadian cases. First of all, look at how quick that was. Let me interrupt. Oh, extremely Look how quick, quick. that was. And, and, and right? this is with me talking. That right? would have been so, on hold with the law firm, talking to people, way back. No, the law, firm, no, no right John, now, boom. the law firm would want you to come in. Right. right? You have to actually <laughs> right. drive to there. Or occasionally a lawyer would yeah. come to your house and, of course, want to sell you on their services. Mm-hmm. Here you can go anonymously, quickly, within 20, 30 seconds, you get wow. this. So what did it say? It says, according to our survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to 27000 to $60,000 for your pain and suffering. No, that's and just what, pain and suffering. Yes, right. exactly. Just for pain and suffering. So in the case of that gentleman who called me who was injured at the cottage, keep in mind, he's having difficulty working now, and so he's going to have income losses. So his case, he, he can go to this and say, okay, well, Based on this information, assuming that the cottage renter is at fault, mm-hmm. which I'm telling you he is at fault based on the facts I have, he's going to be assessed at $27,000 to $60,000 for pain and suffering, plus any other damages that he's entitled to, like income loss, like treatments that he's going to need if he doesn't have uh, any benefits through work, uh, any drugs that he buys, out-of-pocket expenses, mm-hmm. if he's got to have modifications to his home. And this, this costs money. He can claim that. So you're potentially dealing with a case worth easily north of six figures uh, of $100,000. But with this calculator, he can off the bat just immediately see what it is that he could potentially get just for his pain and suffering. And pain and suffering, it's, it, that's the pennies of it, really. The, the, the stuff on the back end can be a lot more, Generally, right? for these kinds of claims, yes. Right. That's, that's usually the, uh, the, the smallest part of the claim. Again, right. every case is specific. That's very important to understand. Uh, but yes, generally, when I deal with the cases that I deal in my office, uh, pain and suffering constitutes a small part of the total settlement. So check it out, injurycalculator.ca. It's worth 30 seconds of your time, really to click through this that's and right. get an estimation. And you don't have to call a lawyer or a paralegal exactly. or anyone else. You just go to that tool that's free, that's online, and that's it. But at that point, they can't get a hold of you, right? They can click through. Oh, and yeah, they can. And I'm getting okay. submissions all over. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and people can actually submit for free and confidential consultation that, awesome. that you know, we can communicate and give them more information. And people love it because, again, they don't need to come in. They don't need to meet me face-to-face if they don't want to. Do I have they to? They can, but, you know. Do I have to? Do you have to? On the show? Like we do it over the- <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love you, brother. Like I said, uh, Thanks, we, get, we get some emails, and uh, I got one here from Rod from Subbury. says, regular listener, says, great show. Was involved in a car accident as a passenger about a year ago. My friend was driving, and someone T-boned us in an intersection. Uh, the police charged the other driver, and we had to go to court, and the judge threw out the ticket. I was told that because of that, I can't make a claim for my injuries against that driver, which are pretty serious. I'm still not working because of this accident. Is that true? So no ticket got thrown out a year ago. Guy's pretty well banged. No, that is a myth. Absolutely wow. not true. Okay. No, the fact that someone got their ticket thrown out, first of all, you don't know why that happened. Maybe the cop didn't show up. Uh, m- yeah, maybe right. there was just too much delay in getting it there. So, you know, they... they 
uh, got some technical argument to get this guy off. It's irrelevant. In fact, it doesn't even matter, Rob, if if the at-fault driver got a ticket in the first place. That's not the standard. That's a good point. It's not the standard by which we judge liability or right. fault. Uh, we judge it based on the facts, based on what the case law tells us, and based on common sense, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were T-boned and that person was, was uh, charged, even if they were not convicted, uh, e- there is a very strong likelihood that if, if you make a claim here, uh, you're going to get compensation. And trust me when I tell you that the insurance company of the guy who T-boned you knows that. For sure. And how do I know that they know that? Because, as we discussed before, I used to do defense work. I used to work for insurance companies. I would get these claims all the time. I would defend these drivers. And so I'm telling you right now that the fact that when I was defending someone, my guy's ticket was thrown out did not mean that my guy was not at fault. Mm-hmm. No, oftentimes I would have to actually explain that to the adjuster that I was dealing with, my client for the insurance company, that we would still have to pay. And if the injury is severe, it would be a big settlement, irrespective of the fact that my guy's ticket was thrown out. We'll get to more of your emails and uh, lots more of the show. Some questions uh, coming this way as well. 416-216-5910 is Savan's direct number. You want to email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the insurance and injury law show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. Back with more of the insurance and injury law show. Savan's number directly, 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I want to get into these. We, we've, we've meant to cover this uh, several times in the show, and that is the top 10 myths about personal injury claims. There's got to be top 300, but we're going to do the top 10 now, and Probably right? top 1,000. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. And one of the reasons why we have these myths out there is because of all the advertising that we hear. You know, you, you pick up a, a Yellow Pages and you see, oh, you know, this gentleman got $300,000 for a broken pinky. Right. There's a lot of misconceptions. Uh, advertising is just completely uh, been blown out of proportion. Well, it, it's just all over the place now. And actually, there are discussions now with the Law Society of tampering down the, the advertising. Nice. It's just crazy. Uh, but anyways, a lot of misconceptions. So let's go through them uh, because I want to dispel those myths. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, uh, that to make a claim for personal injury, you need to pay an upfront retainer. Now, uh, the reason I say it's a myth is because I have seen it happen, and, and I always scratch my head when I hear uh, that someone had to pay a personal injury lawyer a retainer, money up front, to start a claim, particularly when we're dealing with uh, the, 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 I'm going to call them the simple claims, the routine claims, car accident, slip and fall, things like that. The only exception to not paying mm-hmm. uh, a retainer up front is when you're dealing with uh, negligence-type cases, professional negligence, like medical malpractice, okay. where, where you know before you sue a doctor or before you sue an engineer or someone like that of a professional nature, you have to get some kind of an opinion that allows you, that gives you the backbone for a claim that tells you that this professional screwed up. So the background work, you got to get a retainer for that. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. you don't have to, but generally lawyers do that. Right. I certainly do that. But that's few and far between. Mm-hmm. And really, when you're dealing with the routine, like I said, car accidents, slip and falls, it, it, it's, it's, you should not be paying anything up front. Okay. I mean, generally speaking, in the industry, you're not, suppo- you're not supposed to pay for the expenses. You're not supposed to pay for the lawyer's time in reviewing your case. Personal injury is a different beast. It's not like real estate law. It's not like uh, contract law, commercial uh, law, corporate law. It's not like one of those. Generally speaking, uh, unless you're dealing, like I said, with a professional negligence claim, you should not be paying an upfront retainer. So your money comes from? From a settlement at the end. Exactly. So so my client pays me only when I get money for them. Very cool. And that's how it's done generally in the industry. And and even there, there are interesting uh, uh, things we can talk about, but we'll we'll keep that for another show. Uh, Number two. 
A personal injury lawyer can promise me how much I will get for my injuries. No, no, no. Impossible. Even when you go crystal to crystal ball, the, impossible to do that. Even when you go to the injurycalculator.ca, it gives you an estimation of a range, mm-hmm. and that's dependent on facts. So, for example, if you're putting in there that it was someone else's fault, and yet you went to a grocery store and you slipped and fell because you just tripped up on your own two feet as opposed to slip on a banana, for example. It's your fault, son. Yeah, you're not going to get anything because no right. one was at fault except for you. Right. Right? So, so no lawyer can promise you from the outset. And whenever I hear someone coming to me uh, for a second opinion and they're telling me, well, this lawyer said that this is how much I can get, whoa, red sign, big red sign, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's something definitely wrong if they are promising you that. Number three, we're talking Number about three. the 10 biggest myths of, uh, of an insurance law, right? All right. Uh, I have as long as I want to start a claim for compensation. Ah. We know, John, that's completely mm-hmm. wrong. Generally, in Ontario, you have two years to start uh, a claim like that. So if you had an accident today, you have two years from now to start a claim. Slip and fall, same kind of thing. But keep in mind, there, there are some notice requirements sometimes. So remember, we talked about it. If you slip and fall on ice on a sidewalk... Owned by the city. City property. You got to give them 10, 10 within days, 10 right? days yeah. of the fall. You got to give them notice in writing to the city clerk. So remember, and I get this all the time, John. Uh, I get people calling me, submitting submissions to the injury calculator about injuries that happened three, four, five, six years ago, yeah. and I can't do anything. Yeah. Where have you been? Don't <laughs> wait. Don't. Yeah. Just today, I got a voicemail. Just today on the weekend, I got a voicemail from a lady who said, my husband told me to call you and, you know, I've just been procrastinating. I just, just for whatever reason, no reason, I, I just haven't called, but I'm calling now. Again, it's a good thing that I can still do something with her claim, but sometimes I get those kinds of calls and emails and you're dealing with claims with accidents that happened years ago. Right. Don't be yeah. one of those people who, you know, says, oh, geez, I wish I could have done something in time. I slipped and fell getting off the Titanic. Can you help me? <laughs> Is my time limit up, right? Uh, no, of course not. Yeah, I'll deal with you. Go ahead. Number four, I can only make a claim if I have no pre-existing medical conditions. That's a, that's one I bet you and get we, all the time. We do, we yeah. do. And again, that's wrong. That's wrong. And I'll give you the, the classic example. Uh, someone is in a car accident. Uh, their back hurts like there is no tomorrow. Maybe they even need surgery because they have, uh, they fractured the vertebrae, God forbid. Something happens. Uh, but, you know, they're hesitant to contact me because they're saying, but I had back surgery five years ago. Well, yes, but just prior to this accident that just happened now, in the last year, have you had any issues with your back? Mm-hmm. No, my back was fine. I was coping. I was working. Now, now I'm off again. Well, if your back was fine before the accident, and now this accident caused you a new injury or aggravated the, a, a, an old injury, you are entitled to compensation. So pre-existing conditions are not a bar to a claim. Very important for people to understand that. In, In fact, you've said it, it often bolsters the claim, yes? Often it bolsters the claim because the law actually says that if as a result of a pre-existing condition you are more vulnerable, that's not your problem. That's the defendant's problem. Nice. Okay, and again, we can go, we can talk about this for hours in terms of where this comes from. It's from old law from England. Uh, But the point is, if you have a pre-existing condition and because of somebody else's fault, negligence, you have re-aggravated that condition or, or caused a new injury to the same area, you will be entitled to compensation. We'll take a short break. We're talking about the top 10 myths about personal injury claims. You might have one of these uh, on front of your table. Well, you might not know about it. We'll get to it. And the rest of the list in just a moment. The uh, phone number to get a hold of Savan. Outside of show hours, by the way, as well. 416-216-5910. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640.
Back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show here on Talk Radio AM 640. Savannah's contact is easy. The uh, email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his number is 416-216-5910. Before the break, we were talking about the top 10 myths about injury law claims. I think we're into what, number five now? We are number five. Okay, good. So let's go through them quickly. You got it. I can only make a claim if someone witnessed the accident. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Especially if uh, there's physical damage. So, for example, if you were rear-ended, if, you're, if somebody hits you from behind uh, with, with their car, uh, uh, clearly you have physical uh, evidence that this happened. Uh, but listen, oftentimes people slip and fall uh, you know, in alleys, on sidewalks, and there are no witnesses. No one is with yep. them. That doesn't mean that you have no claim. As long as you are credible, as, lo- as long as what you're saying makes sense, uh, you're going to have a claim. It's that simple. So it's a myth uh, that... If there are no witnesses, then you can't establish uh, that something happened. Uh, number six, I don't need a lawyer to get compensation for my injuries. Well, that's that's a myth. Uh, and the reason I say it's a myth is because too many times have I seen people who have tried to do it on their own. And I see it, uh, I've seen it actually more recently uh, for some reason. Uh, and what's happened is, uh, we talked about this before, John, where, for example, they've had a slip and fall uh, on, I don't know, TTC sure. stairs going down or, or in a mall or something. And what happens is they contact the TTC or the mall or whoever it is, and those guys send an adjuster over right to away. take a statement. <laughs> and that adjuster is usually very nice and very empathetic. And they'll take a statement, which unfortunately oftentimes uh, kills your case because you end up saying certain things yeah. and they're put on paper in a certain way. And then, of course, you sign that because yep. it seems fine to you. But certain words were used and phrases were used that kill your chances of making a claim. Cut off your nose to spite your face, right? You got it. Yep. And, and there have been a few instances where I've reviewed those kinds of statements that were given. And, and you know, I had to, to tell the other the, the person that I was dealing with, the uh, potential client, uh, look, I, I can't get around this. I yep. mean, I, I can explain that you didn't understand the significance of the phrase, but you signed it. You yep. signed that you it's true. You dug your own grave. You got yeah. it. So, you know, so it is a myth. Uh, you can get compensation. Yeah, you're you know, legally allowed to, you but allowed you're, you're to. leaving money on the table guaranteed, you are, right? You, more often than not, yeah. I have seen people leave money on the table unless you have some exp- expertise in the field. And, and, you know, if you think about it, it makes sense. Why? Because you're dealing with professionals on the other side. Yeah. Whether you're dealing with defense lawyers on your own or whether you're dealing with adjusters who do this day in and day out, those guys, uh, those people know what they're doing, and their job is to protect the insurance companies. Talking about the top 10 myths, personal injury claims, we're into what, number six now? Uh, seven. Number seven. Uh, it will take at least five years for me to get compensation for my injuries. Now, I, I put that as a myth, except that uh, sometimes it is true, not with me, but with quite a few other offices. And I can tell you that when I was doing defense work, working for insurance companies, uh, insurance companies get very, very frustrated with many plaintiff lawyer offices because they're not getting a response when they're asking for documentation, when they're asking for settlement proposals. So get this, John, I would be instructed by my client, the insurance company, to ask the plaintiff's lawyer for a settlement proposal. And I would have to chase after that lawyer for a settlement proposal. Tell me like how much we're willing to want. pay you. What do you want? Yeah, let's negotiate. And crickets. And nothing would happen. And yeah. so unfortunately what happens is that a lot of lawyers' offices, for whatever reason, uh, they just they don't move claims quickly as much as they could. And that's something that both I and, and uh, my partner, Lior Samfiru, uh, who does the Employment Hour, has spoken about at length. We operate differently in our firm. Uh, we, we do have a high volume of cases, but we've established an infrastructure that allows us to move the claims much quicker. 
so again, there is a limit to how much, how quickly we can move these. But you know, generally, we can resolve claims within months to a few years at most, maybe one, two years max. Let's say three years again if you have multiple accidents. But but certainly five years, six years, no. unless you're dealing with with an underage person. Like let's say you have a five-year-old, God forbid, got injured severely, you may need more time to assess the impact as they develop. Right? As they develop, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, so, so, so that's a myth that it should take you at least five years to resolve a claim. Number eight, I can only get compensated for physical injuries. Complete nonsense. You must get that a lot too. In fact, not only is it complete nonsense, but a, a case comes to mind that I had last year. It's a, it was a, it was a. A, a client that was involved in two car accident, uh, very nice lady in her 50s, uh, early 50s, and uh, her injuries became catastrophic. And, and you know, it's interesting because the accidents were not that severe. Right. It's just that there were underlying issues that were exacerbated. So here you go, John, pre-existing conditions. Gotcha. Uh, the claim ended up resolving for about half a million, not about oh. half a million dollars wow. uh, between three insurance companies, but it was a purely psychological case. She had healed physically. And of course, many listeners would say, oh, that's nonsense. I don't believe in, in psychological issues. But you know what? I can guarantee you that if we were to open the lines right now, you'd have a ton of people calling saying, you know, I've had this accident or that accident and physically I'm fine or, or it's not that bad. But just psychologically, I just I can't get over my depression. I can't get out of bed. That's a debilitating condition and it is compensable, just like physical injuries are. So it's a myth that it has to be just a physical injury. Okay, number nine. Number nine, if I make a claim for compensation, I will be one of those people. And I have seen that. I have seen people turn away uh, my Based advice. on ego? Uh, b- based wow. on, on, on this misconception that uh, because I make this claim, my you know insurance rates across the board are going to go yeah. up. It was just a few weeks ago that I saw, in the, I think it was the Toronto Star, that they were talking about how this promise that we were going to get 15% uh, insurance cut across yeah. the board for, for auto insurance, of course. Uh, you know, that they're not going to be able to fulfill that despite having cut benefits tremendously. Uh, you know, and lawyers like myself have been screaming about this, about all these benefits that have been cut. And, and you know, insurance companies have been saying, we're cutting those, those benefits because we want to make sure that we can cut your insurance rates. Anyways... You can take the position that even though you were injured as a result of someone's negligence, let's say a car accident, that you don't want to start a claim for your injuries because you don't want to be one of those people who, quote unquote, milks the system. Well, let me tell you something. Insurance companies, when they pay out a settlement for personal injury, they're not paying because they want to. They are paying because they understand that under the law, they have to. So if you are making a claim and you are getting paid, it's because the law says you should get paid. Now, granted, I'm sure there are people out there listening who are in this profession who are going to say, well, sometimes insurance companies pay because they don't want to incur the legal cost of mm-hmm. defending claims. That does happen, yes. But more often than not, and, and I can tell, I can say that from experience, but more often than not, when they're paying the big bucks, 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, the type of cases that I'm usually dealing with, right. it's because they have to. It's that simple. And as, if I'm telling you that you are, you, you should be getting compensation for your injuries, then and you don't want to pursue that claim, that's completely your prerogative. Yep. But you are leaving money on the table, money that is owed to you under the law, money that is owed to your family under the law, and money that you deserve because you're injured due to somebody else's fault. We're talking about the top 10 myths of personal injury claims. Number one, 
It's coming up, though. You got to hang on. We're going to take 10. a short break. Number ten, or number one, if you call it the number one of <laughs> the top true. ten. Yes. But you got to wait till after the break. The number four one six two one six fifty nine ten to get a hold of Savan and email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio AM six forty, and more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Indeed, Talk Radio AM six forty four one six two one six fifty nine ten is Savan's number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We are going to top off, or at least round off, the top ten myths of personal injury claims. And here is uh, number one, or number ten, depending on how you look at it. So this is, uh, let's say, the, uh, Dave Letterman's uh, top ten. Yeah. This is this is my favorite one, and okay. this is something that both Lior and I uh, have, have really um, yelled and screamed about because you really hear a lot in the media that uh, you have to go to court to get compensation, yeah. whether you've been because you've been laid off or because uh, you've suffered injuries. No, that's complete nonsense. And, and it's true. You hear about trials and you hear about cross-examinations and we're seeing those movies and the shows and it's it all very sexy. And, yeah, exactly. Here's the reality. A small, 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 small fraction of any case that ever gets started for compensation ever goes to court. And the reason is very simple. Court it's just too, Yeah, it's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's too expensive for the insurance companies uh, especially when they know they're going to end up paying something, it's too expensive. And for a lot of individuals who've been injured, and that's just the reality, they tell me from the start, I don't want to go to court. Yeah. And I tell them, okay, I understand that, and I'm not going to drag you through court, and I'm going to tell you each step along the way what your options are, and you are in the driver's seat. I'm just the GPS. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you how to get to where you want to get. Uh, you will not need to go to court. And I promise them this one thing. If we get to a point where the choice is between going to court and abandoning the claim or, or agreeing to whatever settlement proposal has been finally negotiated with the insurance company, I'm not making that decision. I'm not. You, as the client, makes that decision. And there will be no pressure from me. There will simply be a recommendation. Here are the options. Uh, here's what's going to happen if you choose this, this, or this. Here's what I recommend. Go speak with your wife, with your husband, with your brother, sister, whoever, and figure out what you want to do, and then tell me, instruct me. I'm telling you, John, I, I, th- I think the statistics are that 96 or 97% of cases settle, mm-hmm. uh, usually at about midway through the, the case. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's extremely rare to go to court. And it's funny because you hear a lot of ads and you read uh, billboards, people tout their trial experience. And again, I make the analogy that if I'm going to the family doctor for the flu, I don't care how many surgeries he did right. or how much experience he's got in the operating room. Right. I, I'm not interested in surgery. Same thing. Trial is surgery, okay? Which is why litigators, trial lawyers, are often compared to surgeons. That's what they do, right? right. These guys cut bodies, and then we, we cut people on the stand. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's not necessary in most instances. And, and again, insurance companies uh, understand the value of cases. They just want to pay as little as possible. So it's about being creative, and, and figuring out how to best position the case to maximize settlement without going to court. That's that's a trick. And this is such a big one because you'll remember a couple months ago we had uh, a listener call in and they had a friend or a daughter or a daughter's friend. Remember, she was so catastrophically injured. Yeah. It was right in front of you. Right in front of you, she had a massive claim, just like a massive claim sitting right there. It was a big, fat, juicy steak right in front of her, but she, she didn't had any interest in it. And you can't do anything about it. You can't do it. You're dying to shake her head and give her a a shake and say, what's wrong with you? You can't. It's not up to you. It's not up to me, and I would never force somebody to do something. And not only force, I can't stand it when I go, uh, you know, to a store or go anywhere and and someone's trying to sell me something. Just give me information, which is exactly what we're doing here. Exactly. So if you're calling me, I'm going to give you information. What you choose to do with that 
it is up to you. Now, I'm going to go a bit further. I'm going to give you a recommendation after I give you the information. But again, what you do with it, uh, how you discuss it with your family is completely up to you. That's it. Email. Let's get to one right now. It is uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Jesse from Aurora says, uh, one of my closest friends tripped on uneven concrete about three years ago outside a mall. They fixed the problem right after the fall. Uh, Her lawyer told her that her case is very difficult to prove because she didn't take any pictures at the time and the problem was quickly fixed. She broke her right hip and now has to use a walker. There was no end in sight and uh, it is hard to get a hold of to ask question. Any suggestions? Okay, so we've dealt with this issue before about right. lawyers being difficult to get a hold mm-hmm. of. And again, a, a red flag, something we don't like, something that uh, both Lior and I come down really hard on with the lawyers in our firm if, if we ever hear that they're not responding to clients in a timely manner. Uh, so, Jesse, first of all, uh, it's nonsense. The fact that there were no photographs taken, uh, it, it's not the best thing, but it's nonsense that because of that, the case is very difficult, especially since the mall repaired the, the hazard right after this happened. Yeah. So, so here, here's a little, tr- not, it's not a trick really, but here's what I would be asking from the mall or their lawyers or the insurance company representing the mall. I want to see the, the, uh, the documentation about the repair. It's going to be documented. Someone have had, has had right. to repair this. And by the way, it would not be the mall security guard. It would have been a company that would have hired. Uh, contractor or whatever to come in and fix it. it there are documents. There's yeah. going to be a bill of, not a, an invoice. There's going to be material that was used, potentially uh, labor. I want to see what, that, what that's involved. And, and you know, if, if they fix it right after the fall happened, it's very likely, in fact, it's almost certain that the, the mall told their insurance company and the insurance company would have sent an adjuster to measure uh, the unevenness and, and just to take a look at the measurements mm-hmm. and perhaps even take photos. In fact, I can tell you as, as a former defense lawyer that insurance company adjusters often do that. Right. They create uh, an investigation file whenever there is a claim. They talk to witnesses, uh, they look at documentation, they take photographs, they beef up their file so that the insurance company can assess what the potential value of, of uh, no, no, sorry, not potential value, but the liability, whether or not the mall would be found at fault here or not. Right. So, so Jesse, if your friend wants to uh, give me a call for a second opinion just so we can have a chat, again, I want to make sure I, I say this on the air. I'm not suggesting that your friend uh, switch lawyers. In fact, I'm usually against that, uh, except in the extreme circumstances where I think that the person really needs uh, mm-hmm. new representation. Uh, but certainly I can give your friend uh, some feedback and, 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 and give uh, your friend some information about what should be done next. But I'll tell you, John, three years that's what years. I was. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, though. You know, so this goes back to that myth, right? That it's yeah. going to be five years before we see a penny. Right. Uh, no, this kind of a, of a case should have been over a year ago, unless there are extending circumstances. These kinds of cases are not difficult. They're just not. Talk about liability or fault with the insurance company or their lawyer. Get them the medical documentation. Retain the right experts and enter into negotiations. Right. And if those don't bear fruit, move the claim forward. It's really simple. This is not difficult. Take a quick break. 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number. The uh, email, rather, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to our last few minutes here of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. We're back here for a final few moments. You want to get us an email. In the meantime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one right now. This one is going to be Todd Savan says, my girlfriend and I were cycling in a bicycle lane about a month ago when uh, a car that was passing us struck her and she flipped over. She suffered a concussion and had to be taken to the hospital by ambulance. The police came and the driver lied and said that we were in his lane. 
But that's not the case. The police didn't give him a ticket. She's in pretty rough shape. Does she have a claim against him? Yes, she does, especially okay. since uh, Utah were there and uh, witnessed the incident. Remember, we talked about witnessing. Yep. Uh, well, this, this is actually a good um, uh, case to, to explore that issue. Uh, oftentimes, you'll have contradictory evidence. And oftentimes, when it's, it's a he said, she said, yep. when you have two people involved, uh, you know, then it does come down to the credibility of the individuals. John, I've seen cases where uh, you had a pedestrian struck by a car, uh, but the car says they were in a stoplight, for example, uh, a red light, and they're saying we never even moved. Right. This person uh, just slipped on some ice on the sidewalk and hit us. And, of course, the individual who was crossing the road says, no, 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 I was crossing, and then this person wasn't looking and hit me. So sometimes you have diametrically opposed versions of events. And, and clearly, Todd, this is one of those cases, but you were there. So now you have two people who are going to be describing what right. happened versus one, potentially. Of course, if you have independent witnesses, that's great. My point is, uh, your girlfriend will most likely have a case here, uh, and I would suggest that you guys contact me. I, yep. I will be very happy to speak with you and to give you more information. Uh, but certainly, the fact that he's taking the position that uh, that you know he didn't do anything wrong and the police didn't give him a ticket, we talked about that as well. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean that he's not going to be at fault for right. the accident. Uh, and I can guarantee you that uh, if it's you and your girlfriend. Uh, who are um, giving one version of events and you're credible and you come across well, this driver is going to have an issue and his insurance company is going to have an issue no matter what they say. Let's talk about uh, personal injury lawyers like yourself. They, you know, they get a bad rap in the media. So how does one, how does one choose one? Because we mentioned all the advertising out there. And some of it is it's just, it's just getting to be schlock, right? It's getting really tacky and in your face, right? So that's why they're getting a bad rap. So how do you, how do you go about choosing a good guy like yourself? We get a bad rap, John? Not you. <laughs> just, you know. Oh, you pers- well, okay, maybe. All right, uh, it's sorry. Funny. You know, it's uh, no, no. It's it's. Uh, I have to tell my uh, my three year old son uh, when he goes to class uh, not to tell everyone that I'm a personal injury lawyer. <laughs> nice. uh, that, that I do employment law like my partner. He'll be a pariah in the entire <laughs> class, <laughs> and nobody's going to want to touch him. That's right. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of bad lawyers out there. Uh, just like uh, there are a lot of bad uh, dentists uh, or engineers or anything else, right? It's just human nature. Radio hosts, gotcha. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, how do you know, how do you know uh, to, to pick the right lawyer? And that's not just with personal injury lawyers. It's just generally mm-hmm. with, with lawyers. But, you know, personal injury lawyers, I guess, specifically since we're on the topic, you want somebody who's ethical, who's knowledgeable, and who is capable. Uh, so, you know, one, one, one of the questions that sometimes I'm asked uh, by people after I have a consult with them is, what, what kind of qualities, uh, you know, do you, do you usually tell people when they're looking for a lawyer to look for? And I tell them, look, there, there are five qualities uh, that I can distill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, not just personal injury lawyers, any lawyers uh, that uh, y- you need to be on the lookout for. Uh, one is honesty. A- and yes, I know that that's going to make some people laugh, you know, the honest lawyer, like the restaurant. Uh, but honesty uh, is something that you can find out there. Uh, and I know personally uh, a few, quite a few lawyers uh, in the personal injury bar, bo- both defense uh, and and plaintiff who, who are honest and they're going to tell you exactly what your case is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 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 not going to pull any punches. They're not going to lie. Uh, they're not going to uh, present something that is that is false just to reel you in. So you know to get you to sign the contract. So so that that's that's very important that the lawyer doesn't tell you what you want to hear, but tells you the truth. And how do you know that? Well, if the lawyer tells you that for a little pinky finger, you're going to get $400,000 for pain and suffering. It's a hell of a finger. Yeah, it's a hell of a finger. And, and frankly, you cannot get $400,000 for pain and suffering in Canada for anything. There is a cap. So again, do your due diligence, do your homework, uh, ask for recommendations, uh, go to the internet. 
uh, etc. Second quality, responsiveness. Again, very, very important. Oh, yeah. Make sure that whoever you are dealing with is responsive. What does that mean? No, it does not mean leaving five messages over the course of a week only to hear back from the lawyer a month later. No, completely inappropriate. If you send that lawyer an email, I, I'm not saying be like me. Uh, I'm a little OCD when it comes to that. You send me an email at 5 a.m., you're going to get a response back 5.01. Uh, but uh, no, you, you, responsiveness is absolutely key. Uh, if not from the lawyer specifically at that moment, then from someone at the firm, the mm -hmm. assistant, the clerk, whoever. Number three, experience. And I'm not talking about somebody who's been doing this for 40 years. I mean, that's great. Uh, but, you know, when I had my, uh, my uh, hernia surgery done, I was happy that the surgeon that was doing it had 10 years of experience, yeah. that he didn't just come out of med school yesterday. On the other hand, if I have someone with 40 years experience, I don't know. Maybe that person, shaky your arm. Yeah, maybe that person has been eyesight. doing it for too long. Exactly. <laughs> so, again, experience is important uh, because you, 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 need to, you need to be around the block a few times mm -hmm. to understand how to work these claims. Number four, uh, professional, professionalism. Uh, civility, courtesy, these are, uh, unfortunately, uh, things that are uh, becoming less and less frequent in our profession, and it's something that's being discussed in our profession, in the law society. Uh, and I see this even when I interact with lawyers. Uh, civility is important. I've heard stories about uh, personal injury lawyers calling clients names, uh, things I can't even repeat on air. It's just crazy. That should never happen. A lawyer should never be aggressive towards their client. They should never be uh, disrespectful towards mm -hmm. their client. It's just, it, it, it's not just the lawyer-client relationship. It's just general civility. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I may be assertive because the client's not listening to me and I want to make sure that they understand uh, where they're going, but I'm certainly not going to be disrespectful. Number five, empathy. Empathy, empathy, very important. If the lawyer is not feeling your pain, if the lawyer is not, and this is, of course, we're talking about personal injury. Yep. If the lawyer is not understanding the impact that your injury has had on your life, on your family, likely the likely scenario is that he or she is not going to be able to properly advocate for yeah. you. you need, it's a good starting point, right? Exactly. They, yeah. I mean, listen, if, if you've been paralyzed, you don't need a lawyer that's paralyzed to understand your pain, but you oh. need someone who is going to listen to you, who's going to really internalize the impact on you and your family. So, so these are the five qualities, honesty, responsiveness, experience, professionalism, and empathy that you should be looking for in a personal injury lawyer. Nicely done, sir. We'll uh, wrap it for another week and be back next week at or next weekend at this time. Uh, outside of show hours, which are a couple of minutes from now, you'll want to get a hold of Savannah about any of these points or anything else. Uh, your own personal case, 416-216-5910 is his direct number. And you can email help at insurancelawyer.ca. And while you're out there, make sure you check out injurycalculator.ca as well. A very handy tool. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640.